Hello and welcome back to the Nowhere Office and our third episode in our third series of the podcast which looks at how the post-pandemic world of work is working out, specifically knowledge work and what used to be called office work. I'm Julia Hobsbawm. And I'm Stefan Stern. We hope you've enjoyed what you've been hearing so far as we look around the world at what is happening around hybrid flexibility and our expectations of it. And in this episode, we go back to the United States again, taking the big picture from the biggest economy in the world and specifically down south to Atlanta, very much a key emerging tech hub and the centre of many trends important to our debate. Yes, and the motto for Atlanta is resurgence, which means rising again, very much on the up. Actually, there are two reasons for focusing on Atlanta, which rises up from the Appalachian Mountains and is the capital city of the state of Georgia. The first is that today's episode is brought to you once again in association with Moneypenny, the leading call and live chat expert whose US base is Atlanta. So we're getting perspective from their US CEO, Eric Shirky. And the second is that our American podcast series, Production House, is also based in Atlanta, Business Radio X. And we're getting perspective from Mike Salmond of Business Radio X, aren't we? And actually, Julia, while we're recording the show, Atlanta also hit the headlines because of an uprising at Apple by workers who were resistant to their RTO, return to office policy. So that made us feel, well, on trend, if nothing else. Yes, we do like to be on trend here on the Nowhere Office. And in this second stateside episode in Series 3, we're looking at what we call the fully flexible worker. How in a commuter city like Atlanta and everywhere else is the impact of very new working patterns being felt? You might hear about walkability. You will recall in our first episode, we looked at the view from the C-suite. But this programme looks a little more sideways, if you like, both from the bottom up, the middle and the top of organisations grappling with the new normal, the near normal, or as I like to say, the new nowhere. Here are some snippets of what's coming up. We've really got some excellent stuff for you in this episode. There's themes that emerge over and over again, even as times have changed. Even though the individual questions change, a lot of the themes come up. Feeling like we've been treated unfairly, having conflict with coworkers or with bosses, how to deal with unreasonable people. And when you yourself are a reasonable person, how to ask for what you're worth, things like that, how to, how to really sort of find your way and get what you feel you deserve and what you want from a career. I think we're in the midst of a revolution to the new normal. And I think we're not going to go back to the way we were. I think we are going to go to hybrid. Hybrid is here to stay. What's interesting, though, is you talk to any company right now, regardless of the industry, there's still this prevailing question of, okay, hybrid's a given, but I mean, that, that's somewhat of an ambiguous word, right? So like, specifically, what does that mean? You know, how yeah, many, it, what is department? It, is it two days a week? Is it every other week? It's going to be different for every company. But I think as far as workers, you're right, we are not going back. I feel like it is more of like an evolution. I think that we're somewhere in the middle with the hybrid model. Uh, we have a, an amazing office space. We use it for training and onboarding new employees and, and, and still building that culture in the early days. Uh, after they've been there 30, 60 days and they're doing a good job for us, why not consider that and, and put them into that sort of hybrid role? So in, in, in a year, it may even look different from where we're at now. Well, first you heard the marvelous Washington Post workplace columnist Carla Miller 
who we'll come to shortly, followed by one of Atlanta's biggest names in corporate real estate, that's Andy Roberts of Crazer, and followed by Eric Shirky, who's the CEO of Moneypenny North America, who are incidentally in conversation with a presenter who is absolutely marvellous, you're going to love her, that's Duffy Dixon. Absolutely terrific. But first, Julia, let's get a sense of the national US picture of work from Carla Miller of the Washington Post, who is arguably the American journalist who knows most of what the nation there is feeling about this topic at the moment. Let's listen in on that. Thank you so much for joining us. You are sort of the nation's work agony aunt, aren't you, really? Your columns deal with reader queries and sometimes effectively work op-eds. How did you land that gig? Well, I love that description. I stumbled into this gig. It says on my on my LinkedIn profile, you know, I stumbled into a sweet side gig dispensing workplace advice, and that's pretty much how it happened. In 2011, the Washington Post magazine had a contest for people to submit their best workplace advice, and they turned it into sort of an American Idol type competition where 10 finalists were selected, and every week we had to submit our best response to somebody's question, and a combination of a judging panel and readers would vote. And by the end of it, I won the opportunity to write four columns, four weekly columns. And at the end of those four columns, the the magazine editors said, well, would you mind writing four more? And I said, sure, that sounds great. And then they forgot to fire me. So I just (laughs) kept doing it. And that's since 2011. So I'm coming up on just past 10 years of, of, of writing these columns. Wow, what a great story. So that's that's a lot of innings, 10 years. It's a good innings. innings. Yes, it's a good innings. And do you have to pace yourself? Do you have a sense of another sport going around the track again, some stories coming around again, new ones emerging? Yeah, there's sort of some themes that emerge over and over again, even even as times have changed. Um, Even though the individual questions change, a lot of the themes come up. Feeling like we've been treated unfairly, having conflict with coworkers or with bosses, how to deal with unreasonable people. And when you yourself are a reasonable person, how to ask for what you're worth, things like that, how to, how to really sort of find your way and get what you feel you deserve and what you want from a career. Who would you say are your typical worker readers or do they really span, you know, white collar, blue collar, senior, mid-level Tell us about your audience. I get a real mix of questions from people. Some of it is self-selecting. It's people who would read the Washington Post online, who have internet access, or who read the Sunday paper. I usually get one batch of responses when my column comes out on Thursday online, and then I'll get another batch of responses on Sunday from the folks who like to read it in the paper. So it's sort of different demographics there, but it really spans... It runs the gamut of of workers. We've got digital workers, people who are in offices and can work remotely. I hear from people who are in retail and food service and healthcare, especially last fall, covering the great resignation. People talking about leaving their jobs. I heard from all kinds of workers in all fields, all industries, all stages of their careers, from people just starting out to people who were on the tip of retirement, who sort of decided to make that leap into retirement. What would you say is the national mood now? People are feeling sort of antsy about getting back to work. Some people really want to get back to the office. They've missed it. A lot of management teams would really like to bring their people back to these offices that they're paying big bucks for, paying commercial rents and whatnot. And then there are folks who are sort of resisting it, who would really prefer 
to, to keep working remotely, at least keep the option to work remotely. They've, they've discovered that working from home affords them some time to sort of think. In many cases, it enhances their productivity, lets them focus on their work, and they're, they're not ready to just give that up and come rushing back into the office. So employers are having to sort of balance those desires and those needs, and the best ones are listening to what their workers mm. want to do. Well, that's the wonderful Carla Miller, and we'll come back to her for some more pearls of wisdom later on because she had a lot of good stuff to say. But now we go south from Washington back to Atlanta, the heart of our program today. In this discussion, we want to look at the way in which the business world in America is responding to the new post-pandemic working environment, specifically the new expectations around flexibility and hybrid. To help us set the scene, we're joined by Mike Salmon, President and CEO of Business Radio X which is a studio specializing in business based in Gwinnett, Atlanta, Georgia. Not only is this the home of Moneypenny in the US, which is our partner today, but Atlanta in business terms is a huge hub in the US. 40% of the entire US population is in the southeast of America and Atlanta metropolitan area is the 10th largest in the US and 20th in the world. It is becoming seen as a major tech and business hub. Julia, over to you. Mike. Describe the scene for us, please. What's the current business scene in Atlanta post-pandemic as you see it with all the business executives who come through your door? So we were one of the first U.S. states to do away with the mask mandate, one of the first U.S. states to have restaurants and retail open back up. And so Atlanta maybe got a little bit of a head start in recovering from the pandemic. So I would say Atlanta has recovered. The biggest problem here, as it's been really across most of the U.S., has been a shortage of workers now. Many people have decided not to go back to work. They figured out a way to stay home, make ends meet. They've reevaluated what's important to them during this crisis. And so we've seen a lot of restaurants, grocery stores, retail stores. They've shortened their hours a bit because they just can't find the workers to fill all the shifts. The local Walmart, for example, that used to be open 24 hours a day is now closing at eight o'clock in the evening. But again, that's just a fallout of the pandemic with these types of retail or consumer businesses finding it difficult to fill all the positions. As far as the corporate world in Atlanta, things seem to be back to normal or as normal as things can be in today's world. Business executive, business leaders, uh, the corporate world is pretty much back to normal, at least here in Atlanta. And we see that every day with the amount of traffic on the roads, people going back to work, going to their offices. Uh, So we seem to be back to normal, at least here in Atlanta. But when you say back to normal, Mike, do you really mean back to the office nine to five? Because that's certainly not what we're hearing from academics like Nicholas Bloom of Stanford and my own work suggests that there is uh, definitely a shift to part time uh, presenteeism in a physical sense. Or do you mean that Atlanta's bucking that trend, too? Atlanta may be bucking it a little bit or at least be ahead of the curve. We are seeing a lot of folks that are back to the nine to five, but we're also seeing a lot of the telecommuting now where a lot of folks, of course, are working uh, from home. You know, the trends that we're seeing is that, you know, the the retail, the restaurants, they're shortening their hours when they're open. And we, and I talked about that, but the biggest and probably most obvious trend that we're seeing now has been the increased number of stay-at-home workers. More and more people are telecommuting uh, from their home than going into the office. 
as you know, and I know you're talking about it on your show, technologies made it possible uh, for a worker to stay home and still be connected to their office, either by phone, by computer, by internet, so they can still do their job. And in many cases, do it just as well, if not better than when they were in the office. In fact, if it's okay, I'd like to give you an example. My my very own cousin, uh, she's a high-ranking marketing executive with AT&T and DirecTV. They have a, a regional headquarters here in Atlanta. She, like everyone else, was forced to work from home when the pandemic began. Well, here we are two and a half years later, and she, as well as her entire staff, still working from home with no plans whatsoever to go back to the office anytime soon. And she says they may never go back to the office full time. And and this is a major U.S. corporation. Now, she does go into her office every once in a while, once, maybe twice a month. But pretty much she's working from home full time. They do their staff meetings online. She's able to work with her clients all over the country virtually. And we're seeing more and more and more companies uh, do that where major businesses, large scale corporations are realizing that they can be just as productive. The employees seem happier. They don't have to get in their cars. They don't have to drive to work. My cousin loves, she doesn't have to get in Atlanta traffic to go to the office every day. And so that's the, the trend we're seeing. And also, if I might add, large name companies are also reevaluating why they even need to have those expensive marble and glass towers in downtown Atlanta, those luxurious, glamorous offices, whether it's Midtown Atlanta or Park Avenue in New York City, high-end real estate that are costing these companies a lot of money. So, so yes, a lot of businesses in Atlanta are, are back to normal. There's still some exceptions, but you still have many at home telecommuting, having their employees work from home. And that seems to be the new way to do business. So that's been really the biggest and most obvious trend that we've seen here in Atlanta. And Mike, does that appetite for the new possibilities, the remote working, the use of technology, is that part of the identity, the emerging identity of Atlanta as, as, as a major tech hub? Because we hear quite a lot about that. We hear about Miami coming up fast, but also Atlanta. What is, is, this, is this the new story of Atlanta, the tech hub? Absolutely. Atlanta is exploding when it comes to that category. And and that may be the biggest reason, Stefan, why Atlanta has emerged so well out of this pandemic and seems to be ahead of the curve because Atlanta is a growing hub for top tech companies, Apple, Microsoft. They're opening major offices here in the Atlanta area. And I'll give you an example of just how high tech Atlanta has become. When When you think of the technology boom, you think of the area where it all started. Silicon Valley, California, the the home of Google and eBay and and Yahoo, Netflix, Apple, PayPal, Twitter, and and Facebook. So you think of the Silicon Valley, but, but just here in Atlanta, in the northern suburbs of Atlanta, is a community that I grew up in. It's called Alpharetta, Georgia. It's about a 20 minute drive north of Atlanta. Alpharetta is home to almost 1,000 high tech companies. They've become known as the Silicon Valley of the South. And that's just one part of Atlanta. I'm sitting right now in Gwinnett County, as you mentioned at the top of the uh, interview, and just in our part of the Atlanta, and we're in the northeast suburbs of Atlanta, we have 700 technology companies within our county borders. The reason Atlanta is at the top end of, of being a tech hub is because of the, the, the fiber optic network, the, the infrastructures in place, everything's in place for technology companies to either launch here or relocate to Atlanta. 
you have Georgia Tech, the Georgia Institute of Technology, right in the heart of the city. So you have you have these these students graduating with degrees in technology. You have a ready-made workforce. You also have Atlanta Hartsfield Airport, one of the busiest airports in the world, where pretty much you can get on a plane in Atlanta and fly anywhere nonstop in the world. So you can get anywhere quickly, or you can jump on a plane and be anywhere in the United States within a matter of hours. So you take all those reasons, can see why Atlanta has become not only one of the top tech hubs in the United States, but one of the top tech hubs in the entire world. And it's not slowing down anytime soon. Mike Salmond there, giving us a real sense that it's the tech story here which will be pulling people beyond pandemic behaviours, both in terms of how they like to work, but also where. Atlanta is clearly the next tech hub and transport and where you work is also very much part of the story. So great to have his perspective. Yeah, absolutely, Julia. And of course, we didn't quite have time to catch a a very interesting chat we had with Mike about tech developments in the world of sport, because, you know, he's a polymath and he he knows everything about sports commentators, too. They've got this new technology called Pitch Calm, which apparently half of the US baseball leagues are now using. It's a multi-language gizmo with buttons and things, but I don't really understand. More, (laughs) more, More of a cricket guy myself. Anyway, we'll have to do a special baseball episode next, Julia. But anyway, we'd better get on with it. On we go. Yes, although, you know, Mike Salmond is is one of America's foremost sports commentators. I love the way that Americans multitask and double up in their work. Talk about flexible working. But anyway, for the next bit of the show, you and I actually hung up our presenting hats and bats and handed over the baton to one of the most distinguished broadcast journalists of her generation, the truly marvellous Duffy Dixon. And she ran the following discussion in Business Radio X's Atlanta studio on how the office itself is having to flex around this new and quite demanding kind of worker and working. Hello, I'm delighted to be joining Julia and Stefan in this special U.S. edition of the Nowhere Office. We're coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia. We know so much about how flexible and hybrid work is becoming the new normal in office life, but what does it mean for leaders and managers? And how does technology help the human who's working remotely still stay connected? Luckily, I'm joined by two people who have some, if not all, the answers. They are at the forefront of this, responding to and actually designing this new work landscape. Eric Shirky is the CEO of Moneypenny North America. He's based right here in Atlanta. Also in the Business Radio X studio is Atlanta business leader Andy Roberts. He is a principal of the real estate firm Cressa, which strictly specializes in commercial buildings and office spaces. Andy understands both the technical side of real estate decisions and the more cultural ones. For more than 20 years, Andy has helped his clients locate, relocate, and he guides them on how best to manage that process. Andy also sits on the Atlanta Board of Realtors and the Technology Association of Georgia. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. So I want to ask each of you, what do you think the biggest changes have been in the last two years to your respective industries? Eric, I'm going to start with you. Sure. Thanks for having us. The first thing is obvious that I think every business on the planet experienced in some way, and that's the shift to remote working. Right, uh, we built Money Penny for decades around the office space. We have thirty thousand square feet here in Atlanta, and it's an amazing space. And we we feel very proud of that culture that the office promotes, and and how that how that creates just this energy in this community. And 
you know, over a matter of a few days, that was taken away from us. Right. It really was a matter of a few days. It's like, oh my gosh, we've built this business on this this office space and this is who we are. And I think that was pretty eye-opening, but I don't think that's so unique to our industry. So now I'm going to ask you, Andy, you are in commercial real estate. When two years ago, this all happened, what has been the biggest change for you? So Chris is the leading firm that strictly represents tenants or occupiers navigate the real estate decisions. And there's two trends that we've seen emerge. One, this experience has confirmed the office is needed. Two, it's confirmed the office will look different. And if you think about the office prior to COVID, it was already transitioning from what honestly really started in the industrial revolution. You know, you sit here, you sit there, you sit there, you sit there, you come in from nine to five and then, you know. So it had already been shifting more to, call it what you want, idea, economy, what have you. So this expedited that shift. And we are seeing leadership recognize more than ever, hey, culture, although it's hard to quantify, it is essential, especially in a very tight labor market. So a shift to more larger open collaborative areas, larger break rooms, and had the opportunity to visit Money Penny's headquarters yesterday, and they've done it right. I mean, a much more open floor plan where folks can collaborate. It's kind of like a coffee shop type feel. And yet you also, you have the places like the huddle rooms where you can get away put your head down, get work done. If you need to, you know, some at times HR directors, CFOs, what have you, or need to be on calls that are private. And so you have the opportunity to do so. So we're seeing a shift towards um, that larger, more collaborative idea economy layout, if you will. All right. So looking at remote work and teleworking, are we in the middle of a revolution, a reinvention, or do you think things will eventually go back to the way they were? And you know, for a lot of people, this has been a very uncomfortable time for people who have done business the way we've done business, as you said, for so long? I would say to that question, I, I feel like it is more of like an evolution. I think that we're somewhere in the middle with the hybrid model, which we found is working well for us. Uh, we have a, an amazing office space. It feels the coffee shop. We use it for training and onboarding new employees and, and, and still building that culture in the early days. But uh, after they've been there 30, 60 days, and they're doing a good job for us, why not consider that and, and put them into that sort of hybrid role? So for me, I think it's just continually evolving. And in, in, in a year, it may even look different, you know, from now, from where we're at now. How about you? I think Eric's spot on. I agree. I think we're in the midst of a revolution to the new normal. And I, I think we're not going to go back to the way we were. I think we are going to go to hybrid. Hybrid is here to stay. What's interesting, though, is you talk to any company right now, regardless of the industry, there's still this prevailing question of, okay, hybrid's a given, but I mean, that, that's somewhat of an ambiguous word, right? So like specifically, what does that mean? You know, how yeah, many, it, what it, department? Is it two days a week? Is it every other week? It's going to be different for every company. But I think as far as workers, you're right. We are not going back. You know, seeing the stats that came out of this, people, when they were allowed to work from home, productivity did not go down. At the same time, employee satisfaction went way up. And what are we learning? It's a human thing that if I feel better and I can get my work done and I maybe have a little more downtime at home, I'm not stuck in traffic getting to work and coming home. You're, that's a lot of there's a lot of pain points that are being that are being done away with. Yeah. But you all also, as you said, you need team building. You oh. need people together that, that that energy. So are people still wanting in-person call answering or more AI led solutions? I will say this, that 
telephone call answering has not declined at all. Uh, and we have statistics on that to show that it's, it is still the number one method and, and way that clients do business. People's deals close mostly through the telephone, uh, and that's here to stay. We don't see any trends to, to suggest that telephone calls are going down. What we have seen on the flip side of that is, yeah, there's technology out there. There's AI. I think the word AI maybe scares some people still. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure that that's... Robots. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's kind of what you think, right? You think of bots. And that can be used very successfully uh, through live chat engagement on websites. But there's still the need for that live person to be behind that live chat. Um, so I think it, again, kind of goes back to the to the same thinking on the hybrid office. Whatever works for each business is going to look different. Uh, whether you're a technology company, maybe the bot works for certain levels of customer service. But to me and what we've, what we've seen is that it's a perfect blend. And you've just got to find that happy medium, what works best for your business. Just to kind of to, to prove that out, that since the pandemic... Telephone calls have maintained, and that's still the number one channel for clients to do business and and close deals. But live chat, the service that we offer through websites, has actually doubled. I mean, a significant increase in the the activity through live chat. If you think about it, it makes sense. Uh, We spent the last two years uh, on Microsoft Teams or Slack, whatever your channel is, uh, we become accustomed of just chatting and, and, and doing work that way. And so the chat volume through MoneyPenny uh, as a case study uh, has literally doubled in the last two years. Andy, in your office, or you're not in your office, but with your team, how do you operate now? I mean, are there, as he was explaining, do you still do the phone calls? Do you do Zoom meetings? How do you keep in touch with your workforce? Sure, it's a great question. And I think it's a question that everyone obviously has been asking. And what we're seeing across industries leadership is is focused on okay what's our policy going to be almost in a very reactionary mode you know what are others doing what's going to make the most amount of our employees happy and the least amount unhappy and i think over time the shift and i think it need is, is going to take place i think it needs to take place to asking okay well what best serves our business and if you take the hard line of well having everyone in the office all the time best serves our business then if losing 10 to 20% of your employee force overnight is the best for your business, then do that. I doubt it is, right? And yet if you do, okay, well, you never come in, then that's not going to serve your business well, especially when you're onboarding and, and training young, younger talent. So I think the question needs to and will start to focus on what best serves our business. And I think that provides a lot of clarity on which departments should be in when, which team members that are veterans of the industry will be in at the same time when you have younger, relatively new hires in, so you have those conversations taking place. I think asking that question and focusing on that question provides a lot of clarity, and it moves to proactive and away from reactive, right? And I think we're starting to see that some. I think you'll continue to see that, and I I hope you continue to see that. I think we need to continue to see that. Okay, I'm going to ask you a tough question, Andy. This Mm -hmm. is the question that everyone's asking when it comes to commercial real estate. Now, you answered a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. But when this pandemic happened, obviously, buildings emptied. Mm -hmm. People couldn't, in many cases, make payments. Mm -hmm. Did you have a glut of empty offices? And do you feel like people are still scared to get back into that? I mean, it's a big investment. And are people going to show up? Are we going to fill the building? That's a great question. This time a year ago, when you go into an office building, there's maybe 20 to 30% of the folks back. 
Okay. Now you're at about 60 to 70%. What we're seeing is office, if you use the word office buildings, right? That's a very broad brush. Okay. So take, for example, just here in Atlanta, we're seeing a complete bifurcation towards the offices where people want to be. So if you're in Midtown, if you're in West Midtown, if you're, you know, high amenity areas, very walkable to restaurants, bars, what have you, those uh, sites are in high demand. They were already were, and that's just escalated. If you are in a more um, rural building where it's just, maybe it's class beer, what have you, and you kind of made the economy decision, it's, it's a lot harder for those companies to have their employees come back. If you walk into an office and you just ask yourself, is this a place I want to be or not? You know, I mean, it, it, so you walk into Moneypenny's office and it's fun. It's a, it's a neat, engaging environment. We all know there's plenty of offices. It's like the old movie, off, <laughs> Office Space. Office Space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you walk in, you're like, this is just like soul killing, you know? And so those folks are struggling and will continue to struggle. And our world is such a lagging indicator. So if you have tenants in those low amenity office buildings with a very kind of just basic design, it's not invigorating, you know, even when this hit, odds are those those tenants still have leases in place that at this point now have two, three years remaining. But as those leases come due, and as the debt on that building matures in a rising interest rate environment, I mean, that's a there's a scenario we could say there's some writing on the wall of that, but I, I, it's not for all office buildings in general. You know, a lot of it's just bifurcated. Are you in a high amenity area or low amenity area? And we're starting to see that. And we all know that the economy goes in cycles. So no one knows when or how or why, but at some point there will be a downturn. And I think that's when a lot changes, right? And a lot of people, you, you mentioned the individual that just doesn't want to come back to the office. Do they get an exception? Maybe they do, but when the economy tanks, uh, you know, I think capitalism will take care of that in itself. You know, yeah. Those folks will get back on their own. I appreciate both of you so much. Thank you for joining me, and good luck in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. And now we're going to send it back to Julia and Stefan. They're going to have more. I just know it. I think I could actually listen to Duffy Dixon all day. Very hard to combine a mellow voice which cuts right to it content-wise, but she does both. I hope we get to work with her some more. Yes, and she really teased out something fascinating, especially for this show of ours called The Nowhere Office, which is the way in which building space is used for playing catch up with people's lives and the habits. Uh, it's not fixed and nothing's settled yet. Yet Angie and Eric are both up for this iterative approach, trying things and seeing what works. Yeah, and we're back, of course, to the way technology is wrapping itself around the human experience. And I like the frankness with which Eric Shirky of Moneypenny, which has over 20,000 clients now, talks about the fact that for some organisations you need more chatbots and for others more in-person support. And similarly, the way Andy lays out that different buildings will fare differently in these new times, depending on the kind of worker like walkability is going to be a factor for some etc let's go back one more time to carla miller to finish this episode deep diving into the heart of american workplace culture and custom and practice and you asked her a very interesting question stefan about worker power really the phrase i'm sort of hearing i'm either imagining it or perhaps it's actually explicit in some of these conversations is that sort of is it four words you know you can't make me Perhaps it's unspoken, but maybe in more robust, direct relationships, people are saying it. And as you say, people have proven over the past 
24 months that we are much more adaptable, versatile and technologically capable than perhaps a lot of these bosses realized. Yeah, absolutely. You can't make me. And, and another four-word phrase, F you, pay me. A lot of people are saying, you know, my time is worth more than this. I have not been paid enough. And, and wages in America really have not kept up with the cost of living. Uh, minimum wage has not been raised. And while many employers will take it on themselves to increase wages to entice workers, um, there a lot of employers that haven't kept up are really having to scramble to offer more attractive packages, to really offer more incentives to get people to come in. Well, we'll just do the unfair final thing, uh, Carla, and ask you to make a prediction. We won't hold you to it, you know, just, you know, it's just us listening. But if you had to look maybe five or 10 years out, could you describe the settlement, if it is a settlement that we might all come to? A boss is going to gradually wake up to the possibilities of hybrid and nowhere offices? I don't know if bosses who are against the idea are going to be convinced unless they really lose all their workforce. And I know that there is a contingent of workers out there who do prefer to be in the office. They really, they're not comfortable operating in a virtual environment. It's not their best place. It's it's not bringing out their best selves. So something I've heard other people say, I can't take credit for it, is that this is actually more of a great resettlement or a great realignment where people are really looking at what have I been doing? Do I want to keep doing it this way? And if not, is there another opportunity for me to do what I want to do the way I want to do it? So I think employers that don't want to continue with the remote model are going to attract more of those, you know, office, uh, those pro office workers, whereas others that are more flexible about remote working are going to attract, of course, the rest the rest of us who are who are pro digital, pro remote work, and so I think that I, I don't know how many what what percentage it's going to be or how the proportions are going to settle when we're all done, but I think that people are going to start migrating to the niches where they fit best. But the fact that we've been shown how we work best, the fact that we've had this opportunity to stop and pause and really look at it, I think it's. For many of us, it's been a good thing, and it's made us really rethink our priorities, and we're going to sort of follow those priorities and follow that purpose. Thank you for such fascinating insight into the pulse of America and the way it looks at the world of work. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Carla Miller from The Washington Post, thank you for being with us on The Nowhere Office. My absolute pleasure. So, the voice of America has spoken, at least in part to us here, on the Nowhere Office. And we'd like to thank Mike Salmon, Duffy Dixon, Carla Miller, Eric Shirky, and Andy Roberts. Our next episode, also US-based, will focus on the world of writing, publishing, editing, and agenting in the Nowhere Office, and will be in association with Hachette Audio. You can download all the programmes so far by going to the Nowhere Office, wherever you get your podcasts from, or checking out the podcast page on thenowhereoffice.com. And you can always contact us and comment on Twitter. That's at thenowhereoffy1. And yes, that is a number one. We're aiming high here. This episode has been brought to you in association with Moneypenny, one of a series of programme partners for this third series, which include Microsoft, Groove, Hachette Audio and more coming up shortly. You've been listening to me, Julia Hobsbawm. Adley Stefan Stern. This has been an editorial intelligence production, studio production by Business Radio X and music by Julian Brison. Join us again soon. <laughs>